Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Nerd Out Sanctuary. I'm your host, Michael. This is the 12th episode of NOS, or Nerd Out Sanctuary. I don't know why the acronym NOS is kind of weird, but ah, NOS. Welcome Welcome back to NOS. But uh, yeah, so coming out with another another banger of an episode for you. Uh, we got a packed packed episode for you. We got uh, I think we got two movies. I have my first uh, in depth video game review. I just finished a game recently, so because of this layoff and this COVID nineteen stuff, um, finished a video game, and we're gonna be starting uh, revealing my uh, top one hundred movies of all time list, starting from a hundred. So we'll do 100 through 96. We'll do the first five. So yeah, that's uh, that's going to be at the end of the episode. So make sure to stick around for that one. Uh, so yeah, uh, how, how are you guys doing? How are you guys doing during this? I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you guys are doing okay, staying safe, staying healthy. Um, I'm incredibly tired right now because I decided to work out today and now I'm I sat down and now I can't get back up now, so I am uh, permanently confined to this chair until I recuperate. So I uh, decided to do a podcast episode. So uh, yeah, I'm incredibly tired. Like I said, I have some coffee. I have another energy drink next to me, so I might open that one, open that up um, along along the way through this episode. So you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of caffeine. So if I have a heart attack. Yeah, <laughs> that would suck, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how this episode goes. I might, I might but um, without further ado, I'm not really going to do too much more, too much bullshitting with you guys, so I'm just going to get right into it. Um, our first uh, film review for uh, this episode, I watched a recent Hulu original film release um, it's titled uh, Big Time Adolescence. It stars Pete Davidson, um, you know, that comedian from Saturday Night Live. He was married to Ari, who was engaged to Ariana Grande or some some bullshit. I don't know. Um, I'm a fan of his. Uh, it's per, it's the primary reason why I checked this one out because I, I do, I love uh, Pete Davidson's stand-up. I think he's a really funny comedian. And uh, yeah, um I, I, w- I kind of wanted to see how he did with the whole acting world and the film world, and I know he's uh, one of the leads in this, so I was like, oh, let me let me check it out, let me support him. Um, who uh, an actor uh, acts alongside him, uh, Griffin Gluck. Um, he's from uh, American Vandal fame. You'll if you've seen American Vandal, you'll you'll recognize him. He's the main character. He plays Mo. Uh, Pete Davidson plays uh, Zeke. Um, if you haven't heard about this one, um, it's about, it's a coming of age comedy slash drama film. Um, it's about this one younger kid, um, Mo, played by Griffin Gluck, who, uh, I guess befriends his sister's boyfriend, high school boyfriend, and is even friends with him after they break up and after... Zeke Pete Davidson played by Pete Davidson graduates from high school and he's just you know doing random shit and they're just hanging out smoking weed and doing it's a coming of age story sort of along the lines of Days and Confused and you know American Graffiti or maybe like Superbad is probably a big a, a good um, comparison to this but let uh, spoiler alert Superbad is a lot better than this one but um. Let's just like get in delving deep to this this film here and why and what my opinions are of it. Uh, right off the bat, um, the acting in this one um, is really good. Um, the acting is really Pete Davidson is really great and then he's funny. The comedic bits in the film work a lot. I I did find myself chuckling and laughing pretty pretty consistently. So the comedic bits hit hit they 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 do well and I think. Um, Griffin Gluck as Mo does a really great job as well. The acting is amazing. Um, I think the direction is also really good. You can definitely tell the director. Uh, um, what's uh, what's his name? Director. Uh, oh, Jason Orley. He also wrote the film as well. He's definitely con- he's definitely talented behind the camera. There were some shots I was like, oh, this is actually highly impressive for a comedy coming of age story, especially. The very last shot of the film, I thought, was 
very good. I thought it was it was really it kind of encapsulated the whole um, Mo's story arc throughout the film, what there was of it. But um, yeah, so the, I think the directing and acting were probably the biggest, strongest um, components of the film. Like it, it makes the the comedy work very much. Also, a uh, uh, Machine Gun Kelly, the rapper from Cleveland, the guy in the main, you know, the the one dude who had like an actually decent di- diss track on uh, Eminem. Yeah, he was in it. Um, he's like best friends with Pete Davidson. So, yeah, they they casted him as one of his buddies who hangs out with Zeke and at his like you know apartment or townhouse or house wherever the fuck he lives. And it's surprisingly really funny. Uh, he was also really funny. He was really good. He was also in uh, that uh, Netflix original called Bird Box for like five minutes <laughs> but he he was in that um so yeah halfway decent it was he was not uh, like i said overall the acting not bad at all in this film actually one of the strongest strongest parts and uh the writing by jason orley again makes the comedy work very much um i i, I didn't when they were trying to get a laugh they got it from me which is definitely hard to do i think comedies and especially comedies like this are probably the hardest films um for me to enjoy because I don't really gravitate towards comedies as much um I guess it's just hard I mean it's harder to make me laugh with like stuff like this you know coming of age dealing with drugs and partying and stuff I mean I was not that guy in high school I mean this is called nerd out sanctuary so I was kind of a nerd in high school I mean I, I wasn't like in like the nerdiest of the nerds but I mean like I didn't party in high school so it's hard for me to relate so you kind of have to take my opinion on the film with a grain of salt because I think this film definitely relies on the relatability with the characters to the audience and I never really felt that which kind of made this void between me and the characters and making me give a shit about them so that kind of leads into like my main criticisms of the film. I thought the characters weren't likable enough for me to care about their arcs. And I don't think in Zeke, Pete, Pete Davidson's character doesn't even really have an arc. The only arc that the char- a character has is Mo in the film. But I mean, even that one, I just like, I don't really, un- I didn't really have that emotional like a moment that you would usually have in a, in like a film that I thought like this, that I thought I was going to have. I, I, I basically, I just have to kind of throw up my criticisms from ha- to having a little bit high expectations for this one. I thought this film was going to like actually hit me on a more emotional level that it did. And it didn't really hit me on an, any emotional level, any dr- like dramatic beats that this film was going for never really hit me or connected with me at all. So I think that really held the film back for me from like completely enjoying it. Like I said, the comedic picks work a million for the a millionth time, but the dr- the dramatic elements of it. I mean, you can they're they're there, but I'm just oh, sorry that was that was my phone. My phone's you know I'm gonna turn my phone on silent real quick because don't want to don't want that happening the entire episode. Sorry about that, guys. But um back to the film um yeah i think the main uh, the film i can compare this to would be probably super bad a little bit because they're both kind of high school coming of age pseudo party um drama not dramedy comedy movies i mean this one's a little bit more dramatic and is a little bit more of a darker tone than super bad but i mean super bad is overall a lot better and a lot more enjoyable, mainly because it has relatable characters like Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah and McLovin. They're they're funny because they're relatable, and like you see some of yourself in them. And I didn't see myself at all with Zeke or Mo or any of the characters in the movie. I was like, I, you're all kind of dickheads. Like you're all kind of just like kind of shitty people, and like I wouldn't want to hang out with you because you're I don't know kind of an asshole and so I I didn't really care about their fates or what happened to them eventually or at the end when you're supposed to be kind of feeling something at the end I I I wasn't so I think in that um 
you're definitely supposed to feel something for the characters. That's why it's kind of a criticism for me. So, yeah. Um, again, I had high expectations for this one because it was a Hulu original. I thought maybe, like, the stand—I mean, I'm trying saying the standards. I mean, it is not a bad film, okay? I'm, I'm, pr- I'm probably making it sound like it's bad. And I'm looking on Rotten Tomatoes now, and it has an 84% critic score, which I kind of understand because if I would rate this one, I'd probably give it a fresh rating because it's not a bad film by any means. It is not. It's not a film that's incompetently made. It's well-directed. It's really well-written at certain parts, and it's really well-acted. So I'm like, yeah, I would probably give it a fresh rating, and that's what Rotten Tomatoes is if you didn't know critics just give a give a film a rating either it's fresh or it's rotten good or it's bad and that's it so 84 percent of critics said it was good at least good that's kind of why i don't really trust ron tomatoes as at all for you know reviews that's why i kind of like watching stuff like this so hopefully you like this but um yeah does it have the movie magic does big time adolescence have the movie magic mikey's movie magic I, I really did. I really wanted to give this film like a stamp, my stamp of approval, because I don't like hating on shit on here. I like nerding out about film. I like nerding out about really good, like really cool shit that I'm into. And I really, I really wanted to love this film because I really love Pete Davidson as a comedian. And I think, and I loved American Vandal and I thought Griffin Gluck was really great in that show. And he's really great here as well. So like I'm I'm rooting for these guys and I, I I'm not saying this is a bad film but I don't think this has the movie magic to me mainly because like do I ever see myself watching this again? No. Do I see myself remembering this a week from now? No. Um, did I emotionally did this film emotionally resonate with me? No. I mean it's it's a film that's not really made for me. I mean, a nerdy guy like me who's re- who loves films. Like, n- not really. It doesn't really relate to me too much. So, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I could definitely see um, others, other people really liking this one. Like, if you kind of had that party-type life in high school and you kind of were a little, like, I don't know, you you delved into that world, like, when you were younger and, like, you kind of identify to these coming-of-age stories, I would definitely check this one out. Um, don't let, like, my opinion sway you. Like, I would still recommend this to some people, but, like, to people like me, you can definitely skip this one. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of, that's my review on Big Time Adolescence, guys. So, yeah, check it out. Don't check it out. It is what it is. That's my that's my opinion. That's my opinion. If you don't like it, fuck off. I should I'm trying not to swear as much, but it's going to happen because that's just kind of who I am. But I'm working on it. I'm definitely working on it. Hopefully over time I can not swear as much, but moving on to the next film. We're we're going way back to 1954, and I'm talking about a film that I just watched the other night which is an amazing film to watch if you're if you live in an apartment during the time like this when you're self-isolating. We're talking Rear Window, guys. Rear Window, Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window. If you've never heard of Rear Window, I'm surprised. But um it's about it stars uh, Jimmy Stewart, you know, the guy from, you know, A Wonderful Life and also uh a uh, little little known actress named uh Gre- no, Grace Kelly Grace Kelly Grace Kelly. So Jimmy Stewart, uh, he's like sort of a pseudo famous photographer and he was like in an accident and he broke his leg. So he's kind of like wheel wheelchair ridden and it's him in his apartment and he has a window, like rear window. And he's look, he gets to like look at everyone else in his like sort of area in this big city and it's a bunch of a bunch of apartments and a bunch of people living in those apartments doing whatever they're doing whether they're a ballet dancer songwriter on the piano sleeping like outside on their balcony or you know they're a salesman or whatever or they're just a newly married couple you you see it all from jimmy stewart's eyes and so he's kind of being a little bit of a creeper because there's nothing it's 1954 what what else are you gonna imagine 
this uh, self-isolating in like 1954 when there was like there's no internet you can't stream that you can't stream tiger king guys you have to sit in your apartment or house and basically just stare out the wall but in this instance jimmy stewart decides to stare out his rear window and that may have been a mistake jimmy that may have been a mistake so in the film he witnesses a possible murder a man murders his wife maybe we don't really know he's trying to prove it and that's where that's that's our film <laughs> it's in one location and uh yeah that's it and I, I i love films like this that take place in like one single location because the writers and the filmmakers really have to step their game up because you have to make it compelling because we're in one space the entire film there's so there's no change of scenery and I mean, it's Alfred Hitchcock. The dude's a legend. So is Jimmy Stewart. So is Grace Kelly. But uh, another thing that you have to like take into account, especially with this film, is the time that it came out at. Um, like the times are so different from then to now. Like a, a like just the plot of the film: a man killing his wife in like may may not you know chop her up into little pieces just to like you know cover it up like that is like was like unheard of and that was like really like holy holy crap holy shit content you see i try i try to say crap instead of shit and it just doesn't work it crazy shit (laughs) like it's crazy stuff It, it like just imagine back then i mean now it's like we see that every day and pretty much any type of thriller content that we're watching. I mean, just look at Mindhunter, for an example, or like any David Fincher film. It's it's always there, all this, you know, murder and mystery and stuff like that. Well, my cough is cold, so that's great. So I might dip into my energy drink, but we'll see about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, so it's definitely wild then. So... Yeah, the rear window. <laughs> get back. The str- get back on track. Stay on target, Michael. Stay on target. But um yeah, a big thing that I was heavily impressed with with this film is the view, like the cinematography from Jimmy Stewart's re- like rear window. Like though just the way the layout of all the apartments is so it's so, it's almost breathtaking. The cinematography in here is ridiculously good. Like, it makes the film hold up to this day. I mean, again, there's not, there's obviously pretty much no, um, little to no effects in the film because it's in one place and you're just, de- you're not dealing with any fantastical elements. You're just dealing with a real life situation with real life people so like there's none of that like kind of dated effects like a like a classic world war of the worlds type of deal where the effects are i'm sorry the date of the effects are pretty dated because of the time it came out at so you're not dealing with any of that but like just the cinematography alone makes the film on like on like on godly good like it was like wow like this is this is amazing looking. So the, the cinematography is on point. The direction, I mean, it's it's Alfred Hitchcock. But another like big, mo like big thing in the film. I was just I was so I mean I shouldn't be surprised because it's an Alfred Hitchcock production. But like it, how suspenseful certain scenes are. I'm like I was I was like grabbing onto my fucking pillow and shit at cer- at certain moments, and I was like, yo, man. Like, this film should not, like, came out in 1954, and it's taking place in some dude's apartment. And I'm, like, freaking the fuck out here. Like, a lot of these scenes, I'm like, oh, dude, man, Jimmy, like, you're in trouble, boy. Like, you know, there's a lot, there's a couple of scenes that really have you, like, gripping your seat and, like, grinding your teeth. You're like, oh, dude, what's gonna happen here? And, I mean, that's par for the course when you're, like, watching a Hitchcock film, like, Psycho and rear window but um yeah um another thing that really threw me off track here 
was the just the dialogue scenes, like the conversations between characters about like stuff that's not really relating to the plot of the film as much. Like when Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly are like discussing like marriage or like uh, Jimmy Stewart and his like in-home like nurse because, you know, he's he's pretty much he's crippled. He can't really move. So he has like a nurse come in and like bring him food and stuff every day. And like their conversations I felt was like really interesting. Um, I mean, again, it's like it's a product of its time. So it's just very interesting to hear characters and hear ideas brought forward from characters that are set back in 1954, which is really cool, especially like observing it and watching it now in 2020. It's very interesting. It's very, I don't know. It was, I thought it was a very interesting aspect of the film that really surprised me. I didn't, I didn't really expect the dialogue to be so good in a film like this. So there is that. I would say the only criticism I have of the film was that there really aren't any spoiler alert. It's not really a spoiler, but like there's no really twists and turns. Like the film pretty like the st- the plot is what it is. It's whatever you think happened happened. So that's probably like I thought it was going to be some like twist or weird twist at the end. But I mean, I guess they didn't really, that didn't really happen that much back in, back in those days. But I mean, it happened with Psycho. Psycho has a really infamous twist at the end. And I thought this one was going to have it. But uh, yeah, no, it, it is what it is. And I mean, it's not really a criticism. I think just my expectations, like kind of like big time adolescence, my expectations are a little high, especially from an Alfred Hitchcock production. And the fact that I, Rear Window has been built up to me from other people's opinions on it so much that I had really high expectation. I thought I was going to like have my mind blown by the end. And I did, but like because of all the technical aspects and just because the film is phenomenal itself. But like, I thought there was going to be some type of twist at the end and I, there's really not. So that's probably the only criticism I have. Does it have the movie magic though? Does it have the Mikey's, movie magic um yeah it definitely does hell yeah um wow uh the the film just wowed me throughout the entire runtime i don't think it's a really long film either so it's kind of a quick watch it's definitely an awesome film to watch right now if you're self-isolating it's definitely one of those prime like don't watch those fucking pandemic films and like have a panic attack about it just watch rear window and have a different panic attack (laughs) so yeah I even looked on Rotten Tomatoes as a hundred percent, and I think that's with what almost a like a, a like a almost two hundred critics rating it. So that's crazy. Metacritic gives it a hundred. Like it's pretty surprising how critically acclaimed the film is, and it deserves all of it. Um, I know. Like I, again, I watched this. This is it was a first time for me watching it. Um. It's one of those films that I think will probably cheat into, um, will like inch its way into my top 100 films, but it's the first time, it's my first time watching it, so you're not gonna, you're not gonna see it in the top 100, unfortunately, because I probably would put it in there, but I mean, I'm gonna probably end up re-watching this film, and it's, you know, over, over the years, it's probably gonna, it's probably gonna get bumped in there, so inevitably i'm probably gonna have to do another update on my top 100 movies but we'll see or any changes but it's it's definitely one of those fringe ones that will definitely probably edge itself in there especially towards you know the the bottom like near uh closer towards 100 i think it's definitely going to be in there so if you like thrillers definitely check this one out maybe you're like me you haven't seen it before honestly if you if you even if you don't like thrillers fucking watch it anyway (laughs) like it's really great and it's it's definitely a film to be watched right now (laughs) when everyone's self-isolating and you're kind of getting a little stir crazy that and the shining watch the shining too see what happens (laughs) that's a little i mean maybe don't watch the shining (laughs) maybe don't watch the shining but uh anyway moving on Ugh. so you know what? I think uh, I'm going to open up my energy drink, especially for this one, because this one is a high adrenaline type topic. 
How's that? How does that sound? It sound weird to you? It probably does. It probably sounds incredibly weird for those who aren't listening. But maybe right now, oh, oh, hello, exploding. You're supposed to shake it, guys. Okay, this is a tea. It's not carbonated. Relax. Oh, sorry, that that tastes good. It's not on there. I don't want the the label showing. Come on, man, sponsorships, dude. Hopefully, this gets bigger. But also, just I want to take this time to like kind of um tell you guys, tell other people about this podcast. If you enjoy this, and you think you know one of your friends or family members would enjoy it, please tell them. Um, I would like all this, any support that you would give me, whether it's subscribing whether it's liking the video, liking the episode, or just, you know, downloading, subscribing on iTunes or whatever, I'd really appreciate it. And I really appreciate, you know, you guys telling other people about this, this podcast. I think this is definitely, I'm definitely getting better at this. So hopefully I'll keep improving and get like one of those like bigger podcasters and like be like one of those awesome dudes and have, I'm going to get, this is just a one man production guys so take that what you will you know i do the show notes i record the episode i edit i upload all that stuff so i do everything here and so any support that you guys would give me would be awesome and if you didn't know if if you're just watching on youtube this is also just an audio podcast it can be found on itunes spotify and google play if you're just listening, know that this is also a YouTube channel, so there's video that goes along with this, and sometimes I put graphics and, you know, some video edits in there that are interesting, whether it's, you know, making fun of me or making fun of something else. It's, you know, enjoy it. You know, it's you know it's free content. I mean, what can you not like about this, especially my face that I'm probably, I'm getting a little bit hot, but it's probably because I'm wearing a sweater, but I'm not going to take the sweater off. Because that would throw off the uh, continuity of the episode. So, yeah. Um, let's get into... I just kind of want to make sure that I'm recording. Yeah, I'm recording. Wow, we're already at a half an hour. All right. So, next topic. Reviewing my first ever video game on this channel. So, I beat Doom 2016 a couple nights ago. And we're going we're gonna to be talking about it. So, if you aren't familiar with Doom... It is a classic video first-person shooter. It's one of the very first... It might be the first ever first-person shooter ever to be developed. But this game is a sort of soft reboot of the franchise that was released in 2016 um, by uh, id Software, the uh, publisher. Right? Publisher? Yeah. No. Publisher was Bethesda. The developer was id Software. Sorry, I get confused. I talk. I mean, relax, guys. But, um, yeah, so if you aren't familiar, especially with this game, you're, you know, slaying demons, basically, as the Doom Slayer. And it's a very high-octane, high-adrenaline, holy crap, metal-as-fuck video game that's amazing, and I beat it, and I want to talk about it. So, if you aren't familiar with the actual settings and, like, what exactly goes on in Doom... Basically, in this one, um, a sort of evil site, sort of an evil scientist basically opens a portal to hell and unleashes demons on Mars. And you're on Mars and you're an ultra badass, an ultra angry badass. So you get to slay a bunch of demons, and which is awesome in very bloody and gruesome ways. And it's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> it's not the greatest video game ever, but. It's amazing. It's probably the most metal game I have ever played. Sort of kind of like Mad Max Fury Road's the most metal film I have ever seen. This is like the most metal video game I've ever played. So, yeah. Um, If you're... Again, I keep saying if you're unfamiliar, you're, you're, you're familiar with Doom. I mean, come on now. It's a first-person shooter. It's incredibly fast-paced, fast you know... It's not like your tip. It's not like Call of Duty or Battlefield or fucking Fort. Not not Fortnite's not a first person shooter like Overwatch or whatever. It's very different. It's very more adrenaline infused. Like very fast paced. You're jumping everywhere. You're shooting. You're reloading. Like you're running everywhere. You're jumping. There's no. You're not taking cover. You're just running everywhere basically. And 
yeah, it's extremely fun. Um, the single player is pretty much the only thing to really play this. There is a multiplayer in the game, but I've tried it, and it's, I, I mean, again, I mean, I, I tried it now, like, a couple of days ago for the first time, and there's obviously no one's on it. I mean, granted, it's one, it's not, it's a pretty basic multiplayer. Two, Doom Eternal, the sequel to this game came out, so everyone's playing that. So, but, um, I did get into a match, and I was like, yeah, it was, it was fun. But, I mean, it, the single player is what you play this game for. And the single player is around 15 to 20 hours, depending on difficulty and the amount of completion you want to do. Like, the amount of collectibles that you want to get or you want to find and all the secrets you want to find. So, it depends on you a bit. But it's very, it's pretty lim- linear. It's just, there's there's levels. You complete the levels. There's usually a boss fight or, like, an ending battle at the very end of the level and that you move on to. So that's the gameplay. Um, I think there's a me. I think there's around ten, maybe twelve different weapons to choose from in the game. My favorite being the double barrel shotgun. It is OP as fuck. <laughs> it is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> it's so fucking badass to use the double barrel. As soon as you get the double barrel shotgun in the game, you're not going back to anything. You're not going to back to any other weapon that you you use. I mean, the, the Goss cannon or whatever the, uh, what is it, the rail gun type of gun that you use is pretty fun to use. That thing's pretty sick. Also, there's a gun called the BFG or uh, the big fucking gun. <laughs> that thing's really awesome to use. But I would recommend when playing, you only get like a certain amount of ammo every level. I think you get like three shots. I mean, the BFG pretty much obliterates everything everything around you with one shot so i would kind of save your ammo for the boss fights because that's usually what i did and made the boss fights a lot easier to do because the boss fights are pretty fucking hard and you're gonna die that's another thing about this game you're gonna die a lot so be prepared for that you're probably gonna get a little angry i know there was one particular boss fight that I literally couldn't complete. And I had to like set the controller down, walk away for a bit, for like a day, and then come back and then I beat it. So yeah, there's it's definitely a challenging. It's definitely a challenging game and it's incredibly, which raises the intensity a lot with this one. So if that's kind of a thing you're into, like a more difficult type of experience, if you like first person shooters, for sure, check this one out absolutely get it right now i mean especially if you've never played a doom game before and you've been kind of flirting with the idea of getting it get it now man i mean you're all staying we're all staying at home it gives you an excuse to just play video games all day so just do that plus doom 16 i'm pretty sure one it's a single player driven game so already the price is going to be low and secondly doom eternal came out and that's the sequel to this game that i'm talking about which i will inevitably buy but I will wait for it to go on sale because it's a single player base experience. So it's going to go, it's going to, it's going to fall in price pretty fast. You, that's what, you know, you usually find with games like this. But um, yeah, so the sequel came out. It's a single player base game. The price I'm sure is pretty low. I haven't checked. So um, yeah, I, I, I guarantee you, I almost guarantee you it's pretty low though. So it's not. Ex- it's definitely not expensive right now. It's definitely worth sixty dollars. It's a game that's definitely worth sixty dollars, but you're not going to be buying it for sixty. I'm guarantee you it's probably around thirty. So, I think I bought it on sale like two years ago. So, but yeah, I just finally completed it. Now it took me two years. <laughs> See what happened was I like played it through like almost completion when I got it. And then, like, it wasn't two years ago. It was more like a year ago. But, yeah, came back to it, finished it. Um, and, like, six, I needed to play like, for, like, six more hours. Got got done with it. And, yeah, so talk about it on here. So another thing that has to be talked about with this game, it has one of the greatest fucking soundtracks in a video game ever. <laughs> I mean... The way the music enhances the gameplay, I've never had music enhance a video game so much than um, Mick Gordon, the composer of the soundtrack, does for this game. 
like uh, it's the most metal game ever that I've ever played mainly because of the soundtrack it's all heavy metal electronic type of music which I'm kind of highly into so it's definitely I'm definitely biased in that fact so I like I've already kind of like music of the sort of of the heavy metal genre so I mean if that kind of turns you off and that's definitely music you don't like to listen to I, I would I would kind of see why someone wouldn't like this one but I mean it's 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 so much fun and enhances the gameplay and I think it's definitely like I love the soundtrack so much that I just listen to it you know when I whether I'm like working out or doing something that you know makes me angry basically it's angry music I mean it's an angry game so if you have some frust- internal frustrations this is the perfect game for you but yeah I think my only criticisms of the game is that, like, the story is kind of non-existent. It's not really there. Whatever there is, it's kind of confusing on what's really happening. It's not very an engaging story, but that's not what the game's about. It's about the gameplay. It's about the high-octane, high-adrenaline-type gameplay moments of you running around shooting demons. That, in the most, you know disgusting ways possible like that's what the game's about it's about atmosphere it's about world building there's a lot of lore elements in the game that are really interesting that you can like pause the game go into with like your codex or whatever and read about so there's definitely lore elements there if that's a certain thing that you're into and there's things to discover throughout the game that kind of give you a little insight on the world of Doom, which I thought was really cool and a very it was like a good little addition that they didn't really need to add, but they did anyway because which was really cool. And I hear that kind of comes into play a little bit more in Doom Eternal, the sequel to this game that just recently got released. So I'm kind of pumped to play that game now. So, yeah, if you like that t- type of stuff, it's definitely here. Um, it's not, again, like I said, it's like a 15 to 20 plus hour game. So it's not incredibly long. It's not like it's not like The Witcher 3 where it's like hundreds of hours of content that you could possibly play. It's not like so big like a Red Dead Redemption that you just never finish it. But so like it's it's a it's a beatable game and it's an amazing experience to have. Plus, I mean, it's not short either. It's not on the shorter side at all. It, I mean, even like it's longer than The Last of Us, which is kind of crazy, which is another fantastic game. And I will play the second one when that comes out. I don't know if I'll be laid off still by then, but who knows how bad this this stuff I and mean, the whole COVID situation will get. But Hopefully, hopefully it's not that bad that I'm laid off even going into May, but we'll see if, if so, I'm going to be here playing The Last of Us Part 2 and I'll be, will be talking about it, but, uh, yeah, so yeah, um, if you like first person shooters at all, get this one right now. If you like heavy metal music, get this one right now. If you like atmosphere and world building, get this one right now. I mean, again, the only criticism is there's not much of a story, but I mean, it is there. Like it exists. It's just not like, again, it's not like, it's not God of War or, you know, The Last of Us or like a Mass Effect. It's not story driven. It's, it's gameplay driven. So if that's a thing that kind of tickles your pickle, Definitely, definitely check this one out for sure. Absolutely check this one out. It's really good. It's an it's an amazing experience. So, yeah. Oh, moving on. I'm trying to, I'm powering through this episode. I am powering through. So, where are we at? 40 minutes? Okay, that's a pretty good time. So, the moment we're all, we, we've all been waiting for is uh, my top 100 films of all time. My top hundred favorites now disclaimer guys the this is my opinion i'm not saying it's objective fact that these are the hundred top films ever made i'm not saying that these are just my hundred favorites so and all of these movies i would say objectively have the movie magic though 
All of them do. I don't need to say it every time I talk about a film with this segment. I'm not going to do that. Just know that they all have the movie magic. And these are all my opinion, like everything I do. So, starting from the tippy top, the double zero, one double zero, 100 spot goes to Zombieland. Zombieland is my 100th favorite film of all time. Directed by Ruben Fisher, stars Jesse Eisenberg, um, Woody Harrelson, Emma Stone. Um, I forget what the other chick's name is. Uh, let me check for you real fast. Abigail Breslin, for them. So if you're unfamiliar with Zombieland, it is sort of a comedic adventure horror, I guess, film, which is like it's a post-apocalypse, a post-apocalyptic film or it's a zombie apocalypse film, but it's also in a vein of, like, a comedy. So I would definitely... It's very, like, comic booky-esque a feel to the film. Um, all the actors are hilarious in really amazing ways. Woody Harrelson is my favorite character. He's one of my favorite characters ever. <laughs> um, what, Tallahassee, right? Yeah, Tallahassee. They all are named after their states that they're from, which I thought was really cool. So, yeah, plus uh, Jesse Eisenberg has his, like, what, I think, what is it? I forget what the number, the number of, like, roles that he has to surviving the apocalypse. Those segments of the film are hilarious. So that was always good. It's just kind of like an, like, a sort of, like, satiristic look at a zombie apocalypse through characters. But also kind of like my criticisms with Big Time Adolescence. Every character in this film I care about, and they're relatable, and they're hilarious, but also kind of badass at the same time, and they're characters that you root for through this, so that's kind of why I love it so much. One, because it's 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 funny, it's hilarious at, at, at times, also kind of heartwarming at other times, too. It gives you kind of a look into where, you know... A lot of people around them have lost their humanity and now are zombies, but they haven't. They haven't lost their humanity. And I, I, that's always a really cool aspect to explore with zombie apocalypse, apocalypse movies or TV shows like The Walking Dead of exploring, you know, humanity and how humanity would deal with a situation like this. And this is no different. I mean, it's just a more hilarious version of 28 Days Later, The Walking Dead. So... Yeah, I haven't seen the sequel to it, but um, I'm probably not going to because I feel like it would soil it a little bit because I didn't hear good things about it, the Zombieland double tap. But Zombieland is really great, and uh, um, it's it 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 cheated up there um into the top 100. I was thinking about putting something else here, but uh, yeah, could it rise or could it drop out of my top 100 in the future? I could see it dropping out um but uh i don't know it might be because i mean rear window was so good so i might actually put that in there inevitably but i have to get i have to give rear window some time man so yeah um definitely it it could potentially arise as well if i watch it again so with that uh, i'm gonna move on to my next one uh number 99 i have forrest gump i know uh Forrest Gump is a very critically acclaimed film, and I know it's probably in a lot of people's top 10, but uh, not me. I think I love Forrest Gump. That's why it's here, and it's a phenomenal film, but I think it's a little overrated. So, <laughs> I mean, it. I, I love it still. I still really love it, and I still get te- I teary-eyed every time I watch it. I mean, Tom Hanks is phenomenal. Um, I think uh, Robin Wright is also amazing. So, but uh, um, what the what the hell? I'm trying to look up Forrest Gump, and now they're just giving me Forrest Whitaker, which makes sense because it's IMDb. But uh, yeah, 1994 came out. Damn, it's a it's a while ago, man. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's directed by one of the best directors, um, in Robert Zemeckis. He did uh, the Back to the Future franchise, which may or may not be higher in this list. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, 
I mean, this film is still amazing. Um, could it rise? Probably not. Could it drop out of my top 100? It definitely could be. Cause it could drop out. I think I think it's overrated because I've seen it so many times. Like I can't, I can't, I can, I couldn't count on both of my hands the amount of field trips that I've taken in school or um, on random like extracurricular activity trips. I was in marching band, so I don't know why I didn't. I don't know why I said extracurricular activities when I could have just said marching band. I'm a fucking nerd. I mean, come on. I'm a band geek. I was, at least. But, like, every time we would go somewhere, we would put Forrest Gump on. I'm like, oh, my God, again? <laughs> again with the Forrest Gump? So I think it, 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 I've overwatched this one a lot. So, but, I mean, again, it doesn't take away my love for it. And I, I will always love Forrest Gump, so... It, I, I know it's probably surprising that it's so, like, so low. It's weird. I'm going to say low. I'm I'm going to say 100 is low, 1 is high on the list. That's what I'm going to refer to. But it's, it's, very, it's very low on the list, but it's still on the list. So, moving on. Number 98, I have Event Horizon. So, I know a lot of people may not like this movie. Um kind of like Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, everyone is familiar with Forrest Gump. Everyone knows what Forrest Gump is. Maybe not everyone knows what Event Horizon is. It came out in 1997. It's one of the it's one of the most my most memorable cosmic horror films I've ever seen. Sort of like a It's not Alien. It's not as good as Alien. I mean, spoiler alert. Alien and Aliens are pretty fucking high on this on this top 100 list. But, I mean, this one's number 98, mainly because of just how kind of a disturbing it is. And cosmic horror has always kind of be, been, like, my thing. Like, dealing with space, horrors in space. And uh, if you aren't familiar with this film, it's directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, it stars Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, the guy from Jurassic Park, um, as well. Um, it, it stars uh, the guy who played Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies. He's in it. There's a couple other actors that are pretty recognizable that are in this one. But uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, he's not Paul. it's not Paul Thomas Anderson, it's Paul W.S. Anderson. He is most notably for, known for the Resident Evil movies, also, uh, he, was, he directed Mortal Kombat, too, which is actually, I think that film gets a little too much hate. But anyway, sort of like this one. Not a lot of people like Event Horizon. Um, I'm looking at the Metascore right now. It's a 35. <laughs> um, so, But I love it. I love the film. I think it's one of those films you either love it or you hate it. I would say, like, if, if Alien is kind of your thing and you like sci-fi and you like horror movies as well... Definitely check this one out if you haven't. I'm sure you have, though. But uh, I love this film. I think the acting is very underrated. I think Lawrence Fishburne's amazing in it. And I think Sam Neill is also amazing. And just the tone and I think the direction is really uh, very underrated. I think it, it really disturbs me whenever I watch it. And because of that, it's it, it, I, I love science fiction and I love horror movies, so... It's a perfect film. It's a perfect combination for me. I will say the effects are pretty dated. Um, so this one probably could fall out of my list. But uh, I, I'm kind of like not wanting to bump it out of my list just because the film is so divisive and a lot of people hate it. So I kind of just want to keep it in here just for that, <laughs> for that reason. So... Yeah, I mean, a couple of, like, mem- again, memorable moments is, like, the very end with Sam Neill, and he has a bunch of, like, scars on his face. Like, that one is... I don't want to spoil too much about the film, because I don't think a lot of people have seen this one, and I think they should. Whether you like it or you don't, I mean, it's very disturbing. Again, that whole fuck, <laughs> The whole blood orgy thing is kind of fucked up as well. You don't see anything, guys. Relax. You don't, you don't see a lot, I guess, but uh, it's, a, like, a video that you see but that's what's going on and it's pretty fucked up but really great and it's creepy and it's disturbing and it's in space and it's the shit so 
Number 97, I'm going 500 Days of Summer. So if you're unfamiliar with this one, this is actually a romantic comedy. I think it's probably the only romantic comedy on this list, I, I believe. I could be lying. I, 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 I'm pretty sure it is, though. Romantic comedies aren't my genre, but I'm, I'm not, you know, not gonna watch it, though. I mean, I'm, I'm, it doesn't draw me away, the genre. So, it's, uh, directed by Mark Webb. He's notably done The Amazing Spider-Mans, um, which, you know, you, I, you can, you could give them, you can take them. I mean, it's kind of one of those, like, eh, they're fine. But uh, it stars Zoe Deschanel and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays a guy who's in love with a girl, and but it's about like how the girl's kind of like an off and on, like not really sure about Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character romantically. Definitely as a friend. So that's kind of what um, it, it deals with, just like not coping with rejection. Um, like wondering, like uh, it's sort of like a breakup type of movie as well. So I think it's it's an incredibly relatable film. It's very well directed. It's very there's a lot of really interesting type of moments. Like right when um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character like gets a date with Zoe Deschanel's character, Zoe Deschanel's character. Like, there's this whole, like, musical number, like, in his, clearly it's, like, in his mind. They're, like, it's, like, a whole musical, and he's, like, dancing. He's really happy, which I thought was really cool. It's, like, oh, you know, we're, we're awesome. Like, this is sick. I got, I got a a date with, like, a girl who's perfect for me, and she likes all the same things and all that stuff. But also, over time, it's kind of, like, just because she's into the same things as you are doesn't mean you're a perfect match. Or, you know, the the feeling's very mutual. There's also another scene that I thought was highly relatable, especially to me, is when even after the relationship, they've been separated for a bit, he gets invited to a party, one of her, like, house parties. Um, I forget the reason why, but um, he gets invited and he thinks that they're going to, like, rekindle this, their past relationship because he's still in love with her. And so he goes to this party and then the screen like splits and it's, and it says expectations, like his expectations in his mind, what was going to happen and reality, what really happens. And they're very different. And it's so relatable because we all have these expectations of what's going to happen in life, especially when it comes to either, you know, if you're a a girl with a dude who you like, a guy, a guy crush that you like, or like if you're a guy and a girl crush that you like, and, you know, you play a bunch of stuff out in your mind, whether, you know, this is going to work. And of course it's going to work because your expectations are, it's like, oh, I'm going to ask her out. She's going to say yes. We're going to live happily ever after. But in reality, that doesn't happen. That rarely happens. And I thought that was really cool. That makes me that made me love the film. Like, I really liked it, but just the relatability of the film makes me love it. So, I, and that's a, romantic comedies don't do that a lot with me. And this one is one of the different ones. And I think it's a little bit, little smaller and more like indie type of feel to it. So if you haven't checked this one out and what I've talked about kind of intrigues you, definitely check this one out. This one, 500 Days of Summer is phenomenal. All right, so the final film I'm going to talk about for this one um, will be number 96, which is Wizard of Oz. Now, a lot of people probably have this one higher because it's a classic. I mean, it's Wizard of Oz. But again, this is my personal list. This is my personal list. Sorry, I'm like, I don't want to talk over here. I want to talk right here. I do like this mic. This mic's really good. It kind of blocks out things over here. And that's, yeah, it's kind of nice. I like that. But, um, yeah, so, classic film. I definitely think it's the best musical film ever made. I think it'll always will be. I mean, just the whole, like, again, yeah, it's one of those films where you have to look back at the time, especially with the whole topic of colorization in film, which was really cool, because it starts out with black and white, and as soon as they go into, you know, the world of, you know, Oz or whatever... It goes into color, which I thought it's 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 perfect. It was a perfect decision by the filmmakers, and it has one of the like greatest uh, musical numbers 
um, ever by one of the greatest singers, I, I think. I mean, it it's amazing. I mean, the Wizard of, the Wizard of Oz is, again, it's low on my list, but I mean, it's one of the greatest, I will acknowledge that it's one of the greatest, you know, films ever made. I mean, Julie, Judy Garland is the shit. I mean, come on now. You, you can't not love her. So, yeah. Um, definitely one of the greatest, it's, it is the greatest musical of all time. Will it rise in my top 100? It's possible. It's definitely possible if I watch it again. I haven't watched it in so long, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you've all you all know what the Wizard of Oz is, so I don't need to describe it to you. I'm only going to do that for films that I think are a little bit more obscure or a lot of people haven't seen it. But I mean, if you haven't seen the Wizard of Oz, watch the Wizard of Oz. It's pretty, it's pretty phenomenal, and it's it is critically acclaimed for a reason, and it's considered one of the greatest films of all time for a reason. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's considered one of the greatest musicals of all time, so that's why they, you know, made it a movie. Or, I think it was originally just a movie. So, and then it was turned into a musical. I don't know, I could be wrong with that. I mean, again, it's number 96, so it's not, like, one of my most top films of all time, but it makes the top 100. So, yeah. That's it, guys. That's the top 100. Well, it's not the top 100, but it's the first five. It's number 100 through 96 in my top 100. I'm probably going to be doing that probably every episode until I get to number one. I don't know. It depends what I have um, for each episode, um, whether it's a packed episode and I, you know, don't want to talk. I don't have time to talk about it because I want to kind of keep these around an hour and I don't want these you know, episodes to be abnormally long, like a Why I Love episode. So, but I'm probably going to save, I'm probably going to have the time to do it. So, yeah, guys, that's that's the episode. That's that's it. So, uh, if you aren't familiar with uh, my show, um, I like to give a sort of episodic message at the end of every one of my podcasts, and that it's, um, it's okay not to be okay. Um, it's okay to, you know be a little bit down, but just know that it's not going to be like this forever, you know? I mean, they're saying a lot of stuff on the news about this whole COVID-19 stuff, and it's scary, and, you know, maybe times aren't going to be, are never going to be the same. I mean, we'll see, Uh, but I mean, it's really hard to do this message, especially at a time like this when saying like, oh, tomorrow's a new day and, you know, go out there and get it, guys, when, you know, you're isolated in your house or apartment and you can't really do anything about it. So it's definitely hard to do this this message now. So, but still, you know, these are trying times and I've had trying times even before all of this. And I treat them as learning experiences and, I think they make me the the man I am today, and I think they make me better, and that's what I, I believe you guys should do as well, you know. I thought I had this in my mind that today was never, is today's not forever, so because today's gonna, because today sucks doesn't mean tomorrow's gonna suck, and tomorrow's a new day, and I know it's really hard to hear me say that, especially with you know, a lot of people, you know, not getting paid and, you know, being laid off. I'm one of them. And, and you know, it's it's hard for me to tell you guys it's going to be okay when I don't know if it's going to be okay. So I know times kind of suck right now, um, but try to, you know, be positive about things and you know, don't try don't dwell on shit as either, you know, don't be watching CNN all day and scaring yourself silly even though it's important to be informed but I don't know take it or leave take my message or don't you know I'm trying to make the positives out of this situation I mean it sucks I mean I miss I miss you know how coming in contact with my family physical contact it, it sucks it's, times kind of suck and I think over time it's going to get a little worse when we're all cooped you're all cooped up but Hopefully, uh, this podcast helps you get through it, or 
a little bit. So, um, and, and if it did, I would, I really appreciate a like and subscribe on here, whether it's on iTunes or Google play or wherever, leave me a review or leave me a comment, me, whether I can, how I can improve or, or anything. I, w- I would appreciate any support guys. And I, I, I appreciate all of you for just watching and or listening so, uh, you know, stay safe out there, guys. Stay healthy. And, uh, yeah, I love all you guys. So take care, guys. <laughs>